your boss may not like you, right? Your boss may not like you because of who you are. Your colleague may not like you because of who you are. You may get cheated out of bonuses. Things may not go well, but how do you maneuver that? I feel like we don't help the next generation. We don't talk about it. And that's why I've been focusing a lot, not just my blogs on that, but even my, my talks on that, because here are my experiences. I don't have all the answers, but I just want to share with you that way you can kind of see that, hey, you're not alone, number one. And number two, um, you know, make sure that you're running to something, not running from something. Hey, everyone, and welcome to For the Love of Product, brought to you by the Product-Led Alliance. I'll be your host, Tiana Hanson-Drury, Chief Product Officer at MENA Technologies and all-around passionate product aficionado. Each episode, we'll be looking at the head and the heart behind product-led growth, the passion and the practice of product, and we'll be picking the brains of seasoned CPOs and heads of products, as well as visionary founders and investors getting their inside stories. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Product. I am thrilled to have with us today Ronki Maja Kadumi. Did I get that right? Yes. Okay, (laughs) perfect. Uh, And she's been a noteworthy leader and powerhouse in product management. She has dedicated her career to creating outstanding world-class products and investing her time to educate the next generation of project leaders. Her mission is to make the world of product management more accessible for diverse product makers entering the field, providing insights and authentic experiences for the next generation to draw from. She actively uses her website and her podcast to engage with fellow product managers and provide valuable content that helps expand their careers and create clarity from ambiguity. You can read more about this at www.ronkypm.com or tune into her podcast, Product Magic, on your favorite listening platform. Ronky, I am thrilled to have you. Where are you zooming in from today? Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I am zooming in from San Jose, California. Ah, lovely, lovely. And what is it like today in San Jose? It is a beautiful day, even though the sun is not out yet. It's kind of cloudy, but it's still gorgeous. My apartment faces the mountains in California, which are just absolutely beautiful. So Ah, never a bad day here. It sounds beautiful indeed. Um, Okay, Ronki, we are thrilled to have you joining us today. You have a a really, really relatable story and uh, you've dedicated so much of your time, as I said in the intro, to really sharing and leveraging those experiences to help others um, basically avoid some of the, the not mistakes, but the experiences that you had and handle them with the benefit and hindsight that you've leveraged. And so I think it would be great just for people who are tuning in, if you could just give us uh, a little bit about what you're doing right now and why you're spending that time there. And then we'll take a step back and see how we got there. Sure. So right now I am a director of product at Promevo. Um, we are a Google reseller. Um, we provide everything from custom, um, custom migration, custom infrastructure help to, um, you know, to helping to selling Chrome products and so forth. Um, so that's what I'm doing right now. Um, the reason why, and I kind of just wanted to provide the viewers this, I think it's easy to get a product management job. Right. Like some people say it's hard. Yeah, there are some product management interviews that are super hard. Right. And I I get that. And but to me, that's the easy part is you get the job. The hard part is the experiences you're going to have and how do you manage them? Right. How do you um, encourage and persuade 
and, you know, lead without authority and get people to buy into your product vision, right? But then there are the other things that we don't talk about when we, you know, help, you know, the recent college grads, get, you know, or aspiring product managers get into the product space, which is your boss may not like you, right? Your boss may not like you because of who you are. Your colleague may not like you because of who you are. You may get cheated out of bonuses. Things may not go well, but how do you maneuver that? I feel like we don't help the next generation. We don't talk about it. And that's why I've been focusing a lot, not just my blogs on that, but even my, my talks on that, because here are my experiences. I don't have all the answers, but I just want to share with you that way you can kind of see that, hey, you're not alone, number one. And number two, um, you know, make sure that you're running to something, not running from something. I love that. I think it's, you're one of those people who probably you get a lot, like, how do you make time for all this? Because you take a look, you go to your LinkedIn, you go to your website and it's like, wow, she does a lot, like has had really, you know, uh, intense and um, prestigious jobs in product. You have done tons of speaking. Your name is well known across product school. Um, you know, you've seen a lot of speaking at Product-Led Alliance, right? You do a ton of content through your own blog. Um, and I guess the the common, a lot of the themes that I have picked up across that, right, is about kind of being vulnerable and helping people understand the difficulty of the craft, um, but also the difficulty of a human experience that anyone actually could go through. And I think it starts in some ways with um, some of the experiences you had in startup land, right, that you had shared with me about during the prep. Maybe we could go back to those and talk about how they've shaped you and have made you um, into the person who is able to give back so much. Sure. So one thing I do want to mention uh, from these experiences, by the way, I've just decided that my that my walk in this universe is going to be with purpose, which is why there's a lot of content out there. So let's reverse back. How did I get there? So I, um, a long time ago, um, <laughs> I actually left, <laughs> I left a great job where I was a manager. I had five direct reports. I had been in this job, not even nine months. And I left to go to a startup because my, by the way, my first instinct when they came to me was no, that was my first instinct. And I said, no, and I walked away, but they came back again and they offered me a lot of money to be able to go and go help them build this product. And I let money override my decisions. So I said, sure, let's go. <laughs> so I left this really great job that I had and it was shocked to everybody there, but I left it and I went to go do this thing, to go do this new role. Um, so I went, but I forgot to ask questions because again, I wanted to be Steve Jobs. I wanted to be the next Steve Jobs in this industry. I forgot to ask questions like, is this a product-led organization or is it an engineering-led organization? Um, this product that you're trying to build, is there any customer research? Why are we only focused on the 10% of the market? Um, you know, I forgot to ask <laughs> basic questions. Have we created a wireframe? Have we, have we spoken to customers about this? Basic questions I forgot to ask. I just jumped in head in thinking I would go in and solve this and just kind of run this my way. So I get there and then I discover it's an engineering led organization. Um, the 
engineers only listen to the leadership, the CEO and the COO. They don't listen to product. Um, they were, they were, they've convinced themselves that only 10% of the market is what matters here and so forth. Um, but as I was kind of going, but I decided to stick it out anyway, right? I still believed in the vision. I decided to stick it out. And as I was kind of going through this um, process of building this product with them, the first year came around and I noticed that my bonus wasn't even what it, it wasn't even a quarter what it was supposed to be. So I scheduled a meeting to talk to the, to talk to my boss. And I will never forget that meeting as long as I live in my life. It's, it was in the afternoon, late in the afternoon. Most people have left. And it was me and him in a conference room. And I mentioned my bonus. And he told me I should be happy with what they've given me. And that, um, that he wanted me to know that he didn't think I belonged in their organization because I dress too nice for work. And I make, every, and I make other people feel bad about themselves. You know, they come to work. And my favorite part of that conversation was he recommended which store I should go buy my clothes at. <laughs> Just, he actually gave me a suggestion, which store I should buy my clothes at. And that I dress like an executive and they don't need an executive here. One of the worst days of my career. Um, and I remember, the, you know, I left work. I was a, on the verge of tears. I left I drove to, I pulled into the nearest, I think it was like a Burger King I pulled into. And I just sat there and cried and cried because I just never gone through this experience like this in my life. And this is why, by the way, also mentoring and having allies is so important. I called my mentors, right? I have four incredible women in my life and I just didn't even know. <laughs> I mean, I just sat there and cried and cried with them because I didn't even know what <laughs> to do with this, right? I will never forget that. They try to help me as much as they can. They ask me to document what happened and so forth. And then I called my best friend. My best friend, I cried on it. I mean, I cried and cried. Uh, and he said to me, um, he's like, you're going to get through this. You may not feel like it. It's like, but you will get through this. So I went home, went to bed, <laughs> right? Went to bed. My first phone call the next morning was from my best friend. And he called me and he said, because uh, I was actually standing in the front of the closet. I'd woken up and I was trying to figure out, do I go to work today? Do, do I? And also when I go to, if I do go to work today, am I wearing sweats or flip-flops? Like, how do we navigate this, right? So, so because I'm looking at a, the closet. Mind you, by the way, um, my clothes are all J. Crew. I literally, like, you see, if you go to J. Crew website, Anything on the J.Crew website, that's literally my, my closet. I've been like a fan of J.Crew for years. So it wasn't like I was going to work wearing a ball gown or, you know what I'm saying? Like I wasn't like going to work, you know, in a ball gown. So anyway, or tuxedo or anything like that. So anyway, my best friend calls me and he's like, do me a favor, Ronky. I'm like, what? He goes, dress better than you did yesterday and go to work today and it's like expect anything to happen if he's gonna fire you he's gonna fire you it was like but expect anything um so i got up i got dressed and i dressed better than i did the, the day before that and i went to work um i you know by the end of the day i got called again into the conference room and he's like i already told you you don't belong here and i was kind of waiting for him to fire me to be honest with you just you know uh he never did and honestly till today i don't know why he never fired me 
I don't know why. Because uh, I was kind of waiting for him to. Um, because, I mean, I basically disregarded his opinion. And I went to work dressing better than I did the day before. So I eventually found, I found a lawyer uh, who I talked to, an employment lawyer who I talked to around this time. And by the way, the look on the lawyer's face was almost, was the funniest thing ever. I will never forget it as long as I live. He just kind of looked at me. He goes, I'm sorry, your boss said you dress too nice for work? <laughs> just like, he's like, like, he didn't, it's like normally I get situations where you people dressing appropriately for work. He goes, but you dress too nice for work. And I was like, yeah. He just kind of looked at me. He goes, oh, that's a new one. <laughs> just like, it's like, oh, that's a new one. Um, but what I discovered was even if I had pursued an harassment lawsuit, right, or um, it would have destroyed my career. And destroy it would destroy my career. No one would hire me. It would have gone public. So these are the other things, right? That no one discusses, right? Is even when you deal with these kinds of issues, um, your hands are tied as to what you can do, right? And then also there's the factor that I'm a woman of color, right? And if this goes public and I actually pursue the, you know, decide to go with a legal action, um, I'm done. No one would hire me. Right. So I had no choice. I had to swallow this until my next opportunity came along. So believe it or not, I actually was in a job for another year before I eventually moved on. Um, and, but what I moved on to, man, um, it was awesome. I moved on to, I moved to another state. I moved on to a new job, which that culture, um, they were more family oriented. So that meant I actually had a life outside of work, which meant I could take care of myself. I could travel the world, which I wanted to do. I wanted to go to London. I wanted to go to Rome. I, I did all those things, um, but also meant I could take care of myself health-wise as well. Um, so um, we'll have to talk about that one another day because <laughs> I had, a, I had needed to have surgery. So um, so we, you know, so I was able to kind of do that, but what that new job did was it led me to meeting the love of my life. Right. So, uh, because I met him while I was, when I moved and which then led me to move into California and, so, and of course having this career that I have. So sometimes those really difficult spaces that we're in, um, lead to better things, you know? So I'm grateful, believe it or not. I'm so grateful <laughs> for my unanswered prayers. I'm grateful for my disappointments. I'm grateful for, you know, I'm grateful for everything because it's sort of made me who I am today and how I can kind of sit back now and reflect. Now, tell me, now, to be honest with you, if that day when I was crying in the car, if you told me uh, that you and I would be having this conversation many years later and I'd be, you know, this person, I tell you, yeah, no, I don't think so. Cause to me, that was just one of the worst moments of my life. So. Wow. What a experience. Um, and thank you for sharing it. So I, I'm thinking about what are the things that you want people to take away from, from this? Um, obviously there is something there around really difficult things and adversity can lead to good things, but it's not just, a hey, bad things are going to happen and good things are going to come from that, right? So what would you say or is the advice that you would want others to take from what led 
you know, what allowed something good to come after this? I finally decided to run to an opportunity, not run from, right? So I had a great job. I, I was a manager. I had five direct reports. Everybody in my organization loved me, but I left to go pursue this dream, right, of building this new SaaS platform, um, which would be a disruptor in the market. But I didn't ask all the questions I needed to ask, right? I didn't ask is this broad-led versus engineering-led? Are you going to listen to me? Is there market research? Uh, have we shown any customers any wireframes? Have we talked to any customers? Uh, who do you plan to sell this to if you're only focused on the 10% of the market? What happens if the 10% of the market actually goes bankrupt, which, by the way, did happen, right? So instead, they didn't have 10% anymore. Um, I didn't ask those questions. I just jumped, right? So my advice always to aspiring product managers and recent college grads are, number one, is run to something, don't run from, right? Run to something. And don't get me wrong, like there are organizations, I've worked in toxic, that by the way, was not the only toxic environment I've ever worked at. I've worked in other toxic environment, but what that experience is, what it taught me how to handle the next toxic environment and how to spot it, right? And how to kind of go, okay, all right, uh, this is becoming toxic for me. It's time to move on to something new. Um, but you'll know it, right? Everybody will know what their threshold is, right? But for me, I just kind of give the advice of run to something, right? And also listen to your gut, right? And the reason why I share this, like I said, is I've just made a decision a long time ago that my my walk is going to be purposeful now, which is I'm going to help the next generation. I want to see women product leaders shatter the glass ceiling. I want to see women product leaders help. Up, you know, help aspiring product leaders up and coming. Um, it's not just getting the job. It's how do you deal with the experiences, the importance of, cult, of cultivating relationships, right? Think about those incredible women that I called that night. Imagine if I didn't cultivate a relationship with them. Who would I call, right? My, you know, most PMs that I talk to, their parents, don't, their family don't even know what they do. They're like, wait, you're what again? Oh, cool. <laughs> right? My best friend, who I've known for over 20 years, I've known this man since college, right? Um, who knew to call me the next day to tell me, get dressed and, go, and dress better. I don't know where I'd be without people like that in my life. So that relationship also matters, right? People who can help pick you up when you fall, when you fall. And people who will help put you together when you're at that moment in your life and you're like, oh my God, how do I even recover from this? Right. So run through something, don't run from. I love that. You know, one thing that I think um, a lot of people struggle with when they're interviewing with a company is at what stage do you start to ask some of those hard questions? For some people, especially um, women uh, and women of color, it can be around worth and value. Um, for other people, it is asking hard questions that seem to challenge the uh, kind of what is clearly gospel, right? And in that, um, a great example from what you were talking about is the validity of that 10%, the risk planning that had gone into that. Um, and then some of it is, you know, maybe even seen as kind of being a little obvious, like, yeah, of course they're going to have wireframes. Of course they're going to have done that, you know. What, what's your advice for people who are trying to think about, well, when in that stage do I ask the question? Um, you know, how soon do I ask those questions? You know, any anything that 
your experiences have told you are, um, you know, triggers for the right timing for that stuff. So because of my experiences, like I said, I've also worked in other environments that were just as toxic. I will talk about that another day. You'll love that one, by the way. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> um, when I, so I've actually recently, um, gotten laid off from PayPal, um, before I started working at Permeable. So I went back into the interview process, right? Um, I ask HR when I'm on a call with HR, I ask HR about diversity and inclusion. What is their policy? Do they have any policy? If they don't, what is the ratio? What am I walking into? Right. I've had human resources be honest with me. Some are honest with me and they just say, listen, you're going to be the only person of color here. And I'm like, okay, that's good to know. Right. Or, you know, or, oh, yeah, we believe in diversity and inclusion. Here's what we do. We make sure that, you know, we do the following things for our interview and so forth. I always ask those questions of HR. The other question I always ask of HR is, is this a prod-led organization or an engineering-led organization, right? If HR doesn't know or, you know, or they give me, yeah, it's a prod-led organization, no problem. But when I interview, you're going to interview with a hiring manager before you interview with the rest of the staff anyway. So when I interview the hiring manager, I also bring those two points up, diversity and inclusion, right? And also, of course, prod-led versus engineering-led. If it's an engine, if it's an engineering-led organizations, for me, that's not for me anymore. So obviously, I know I'm going to say thank you so much, but this is really not what I'm looking for. If it's a prod-led organization, then even better. Then the other thing I would do then is I would ask the after I get through all the interviews, if if the tech lead is not if the tech lead I'm going to be working with is not in all the interviews, I'm going to ask to speak to that person separately, because here's what I'm gauging for. If it's in a prod-led organization, that means the tech lead is going to want me as a partner who's going to bring them into a customer meeting. And that's how I work. I work in the box. I work with the, some people call it the triangle, the designer, prod, and engineering. And I move with my box, meaning I go to customer meetings with my box. We make decisions together about MVP or minimum lovable with my box. And we present together. I tell the story of my product with my box. So if my tech lead is telling me, no, I don't want to be on a call with a customer, that's a red flag, right? That's a red flag. And the reason why that's important is because I shouldn't have to convince my, the engineering team to build a feature. The, what ties all of us together is that core value of the organization, right? We all align with that core value and we're all coming into work to make our customers' life easier and better. Right. So, so if that's the case, right, then the strategy might be the way we approach it might be different strategy wise, but we're all aligned. So I would rather have that where um, the tech lead, engineering lead are with me on a customer call. They understand what the customer pain is. They can ask questions, right? My uh, design can say, can understand how the customer is interacting with the device. Because as you know, we all interact differently with our device. I'm Nigerian, and I guarantee you the way I interact with my iPhone is different the way than you would interact with your iPhone or even another colleague who's Caucasian from the U.S., right? So that's why that stuff is important. And engineering must be there because they need to understand the customer pain, why we're solving this problem, what the customer value is, but what aligns us is that core value. That's where the love of our product comes from. And then from there... I'm willing to negotiate everything else, but I need to know that you're willing to be in the room. 
So if the tech lead is like, no, I don't want to be there, that's a red flag, right? So those to me are the kinds of subtle the questions you can kind of ask, you know, before really making a decision about an organization. The other thing I also tell aspiring product managers is this. You're not just interviewing at an organization. They're, yes, they're interviewing you, but you're interviewing them as well. Do their core values align with yours? Absolutely. Okay, great advice. And also, I think, actionable advice for people. Um, Let's switch gears a little bit. So uh, I know that you are really committed to, you know, the diverse product makers, but you also just talked about the importance of inclusive design and inclusive thinking. Um, Talk to us a little bit about your views in this area, how much time you spend in this. You know, um, I'm in particularly curious about, have you noticed any changes um, in our industry related to these topics? Uh, I'd love to just kind of get your five, five minutes on it. Sure. No problem. So yes, there are changes. Um, There are changes. I noticed I have noticed a lot of companies are really, are really more, are really very interested in building for uh, everybody, which I, which is great. Um, Google is an example. Uh, Google is really big on inclusive design, which is great. So the way I kind of see it and the way I communicate it when I teach a product school, the way I communicate it with any aspiring product manager or recent college grad goes like this. Um, if your product is a global market, even if it's not a product that's global, um, you should consider the fact that there's an emerging demographic. And that emerging demographic look like me, they look like you, they look like they're diverse, right? And their needs change every single day. So how do you meet them where they are? You need a diverse team. And you need a diverse team, your cross-functional team that are diverse in gender, diverse in thought, diverse in geography, diverse in lived experiences, diverse perspective. Um, Which is another reason, just to kind of mention this really quickly, why I think that interview questions should be non-biased, right? You should not be asking in an interview question, how many BMWs are being driven in Chicago? Because you don't know if that person came from a neighborhood where there was no such thing. Just like you shouldn't ask how many golf balls fit on a plane. What if that person had never been on a plane before? Because they just came from circumstances where that was not a thing. What if they've never played golf before, right? Um, so, but you need all those perspectives when you're building a product. You need all those perspectives when you're innovating on a product. And then there's neurodiversity right? Which is that person with ADD in your team that people tend to ignore, that people might ignore, that's bad. That person is brilliant, just like the rest of your cross-functional team. And you should be engaging that person. Or that person that's really super quiet, I go and I engage them because they have great ideas. But if you have diversity in your cross-functional team, then that means that you can lessen the blind spots. Right. As product managers, we have, we're just as biased and we just have blind spots. We're never going to, as if you're building for B2B, you're never going to use the product the way your customers are. So, or B2C. So you need all these diverse experiences in diverse perspective in your cross-functional team so that you can make sure that you're trying to build for everybody. And then when you test it, 
when you do customer interviews, same thing. You should have diverse, diverse people in your organization. I'm going to give you an example. Um, there was an organization I worked at where the researcher, we were doing customer interviews, and I really loved this researcher, and I really appreciated the fact that she did this, and I didn't even have to say anything. She went out of her way to find diverse people for the interviews, which was awesome. I mean, I'm talking every ethnicity you could possibly think of um, and gender. She, she found diverse gender. It was great. So we were on a call with this woman. This woman, we always start the interview with, how's your day? Blah, blah, you know, how do you like your, you know, why do you work at the company you like? It? What do you like about it? And what don't you like about it? We asked her, what don't you like about it? And she said, my coworker. Now, because she's a woman of color, what could have happened is somebody would have bypassed that and thought, oh, she's, you know, I don't want to deal with this, right? Our researcher said, tell us, what is it about it? What is it? What bothers you? And she told us because she has to pull a report for her coworker every morning and she has to go out of her way to do it and it prevents her from doing what she needs to do. And what that informed us was that for her colleagues' permission, we should allow that certain report to be in the dashboard so that her colleague doesn't have to come to her with it. You see how that, see what I mean? So imagine if we skipped over that question and we just said, okay, we're not going to deal with this. We're just going to move on. But we asked her, she was honest with us. And we, we dug, we, we dug deep and we said, tell us more, <laughs> you know, and we ended up finding out, we actually found a really good customer problem to fix because we dug deeper. And this is why this is important, right? Just, you know, and I also always tell aspiring product managers this, which is not everybody's eloquent. Not everybody is polished. So sometimes the way you may even get feedback from people may not be the way you want to get it, but it's okay. Bypass all of that and dig deep to figure out what they're trying to tell you. So anyway, so that's why um, I think it's important to build for a diverse um, demographic where you got to meet them where they are. And the only way you're going to do it is you, your organization has to represent them. Excellent. And I love that customer story. Um uh, and applaud the researcher as well. So, um, uh, fantastic. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about your view towards products. You have a long career in product, right? Um, take me back to, you know, like the early days, Lexus Nexus, like versus now, you know, how, how has it changed to what you think about product? What has stayed the same and what is, what is evolved or changed in other ways? So I, I, so it's a young discipline. I think product management is still a young discipline. Um, I love, I, I love being a product manager. I still do. I love, I love building products to solve my customers' problems. I love building products that help to make my customers' life easier. At the end of the day, right? Um, I'm here to make my customers' work life easier. So how can I do that? Right? Um, and I still do that. I still love that. So that's the good thing. My love of product is still there. From back when I started to now, first of all, when I first started as a product manager, no one looked like me. So I just want to mention that. I only had my mentors. There was no product manager that looked like me that I could go to and go, hey, 
So <laughs> just, what conference are you going to? Or yeah, the, yeah. So I'm glad that that's also changed. I've noticed that it's changed a lot in the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm really happy uh, to see that. Um, I'm happy that I keep seeing announcements um, from, di- from diverse candidates going to Google. That makes me so happy when I see that. But also there's more resources out there now. There weren't as many resources when I first started. Um, and, you know, so there's more resources out there, which I'm kind of grateful for. Well, because even I am amazed by all the different frameworks that we have out there now. And also there's more conferences, right? And I think that's also really cool. What I was missing for me and I, and I, and I, want, I want to see a woman of color, a man of color write a product book. I, have, I don't have that yet. Right. So don't get me wrong. I love Ken Norton. I love Marty Kagan. Marty Kagan is awesome. Um, but Cheryl Sandberg, I have her book, Lean In. But there is, I, you know, I want to see a book by someone who looks like me. So that's still out there. Um, but it has changed a lot. It's evolved a lot. And I'm excited to see what it's going to be in the next five to 10 years. I, I think like the best that. is yet to come. So. I like that. Uh, speaking, you mentioned Google. Um, Annie, uh, who leads product inclusion there, she has a fantastic book uh, that is worth reading if you haven't read it called, uh, I think it's Build for Everybody. Um, and it's amazing. Oh. No, you're absolutely correct. I stalk her, by the way. I don't know why I said I was looking for a woman of color book. No, I, you're right. I do stalk her, actually. <laughs> so just like, She's easy you're to right. stalk. She's easy no. to stalk. I love her. I love, love, love her. You're right. I take that back, viewers. Everybody should read Annie's book. Um, <laughs> but the next one, maybe. The next maybe one, maybe. Coming, maybe it's coming from you, Ronky. I mean, it could be. It could be. Um, I, I guess I was. Just, I'm looking for a book like Cheryl Sandberg, where she kind of yeah. talks about her experiences. Yeah. Um, I'm looking for that for a woman of color and product. Yeah. I love okay. that. So let me, if, yeah, let me kind of explain that a little bit better. I'm kind of looking for that in a woman, you know, in product for someone who looks like me, who's kind of goes, this is how I started. These are my experiences. And this is how I got to where I am today. Um, Cheryl kind of talks about, she talks about her a partner. She talks about how they, you know, all her experiences. Um, those stuff, that stuff is important, right? Because at yeah. the end of the day, you don't want to come home alone, right? To your, to your apartment by yourself. And I've done that for a long time before. Obviously, I met my the love of my life, but no, Annie's awesome. I stalk her. I watch her presentations. By the way, uh, I love her presentations, and I'm always like, I gotta meet this woman. <laughs> so I haven't met her yet. So like, I gotta um, meet her. <laughs> well, so. I, my my next question was gonna be really, you know, you you've accomplished a lot, um, but something tells me you ain't stopping anytime soon. So what is next for you? What is the any any exciting things that you really want to kind of uh, accomplish? You know, in the near future, maybe writing a book on uh, your own experiences and other women of color's experiences. Maybe I don't know. So uh, on the list, <laughs> so on the list right now uh, is writing a book, uh, definitely writing a book about my experiences. Um, I want, I want high school kids who look like me to see my book and go, oh, I can do that. I can be a director of product. I can be a VP of product. I can be chief product officer at Apple. Oh, I can do that. That's important to me. I want a junior high school kid 
to go, what is product management? How do I build? I want to go work in Nike, right? Is there someone that looks like me? Oh, there is. Okay. Are there men that look like me? Are there women that look like me? Oh, great. All right, cool. Um, I, I want that. I want, so that's next is, is a book, telling my story, but not just writing a book, but really like sharing it within my community. Um, that's important to me. The second thing is I want to speak at Grace Hopper. So that's on my wish list. <laughs> so I'm going to try and apply again next year uh, at Grace Hopper and Women in Product. I haven't spoken at Women in Product yet, um, but I've had an awesome year, by the way. I, Like I said, everything happens the right place at the right time. And like I said, I've also decided that my walk is going to be purposeful in this universe. I'm going to give back with my experiences. I'm going to continue to share what I've learned. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes and I, and I fall and I get up, right? I'm going to continue to share those experiences, but my, my purpose now has to be, has to, my, my walk has to be purposeful. It has to be for a reason. So that's sort of what I'm focused on is what's next. How do I give back? So those are all the things that I'm constantly kind of looking at is, okay, how do I give back? How do I move forward um, on this road? And of course, and, you know, um, building, building relationships along. And I still have those four incredible mentors. Um, there's a blog that I've been kind of playing with that I'm going to be writing next, uh, which is talking about the men allies in my life um, and how we've impacted my life. So, yeah, our destiny is impacted by other people. So that's the next thing I'm writing. Big, uh, big plans and exciting ones. If someone uh, listening is from Grace Hopper or Women in Product, uh, <laughs> how's the best way for them to get a hold of you? <laughs> uh, best way to get a hold of me. Uh, hello at Ronky, hello at RonkyPM.com. So, <laughs> hello at RonkyPM.com. So, yeah. Fantastic. Okay, Ronky, we're going to go and I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everyone who comes on the show. It is my favorite question. Um, if there is a museum that was dedicated to the world's most important products, not the most successful, but the most important products, what do you think should be in that museum and why? It should be an iPhone. And the reason is because uh, Steve Jobs, we didn't need it. He gave us something that we didn't even think we needed. And to me, that's the embodiment of product management is to be so close to your customer that, they, that you know what they need before they even tell you. And even when the odds are against you, you continue to follow that path and follow your product intuition and you build. We didn't know there was ever going to be a pandemic. Steve Jobs prepared us. We had an iPhone. We had FaceTime. We had, we could use our iPad. We could call family members. For some of us, we didn't see family members for two years. And it was all via FaceTime. I love that my brother lives in Boston with his kids, with my nephews and my nieces. I don't see them all the time. But FaceTime is how I connect to them. And I don't feel that, I don't feel that gap as much because I'm on FaceTime with them. I can see what they're up to. I can, even the baby knows how to push the buttons when he sees me on, on FaceTime. So I think um, that, because it's just changed, it has changed how we live. It has changed who we are. 
it has brought us closer. It has helped us to capture the iPhone video has helped us to capture some of the most memorable moments in our lives, right? My favorite thing on an iPhone is when I get that message about memories and I go and I look at it and I go, oh yeah, I was in London at this time. Oh, look at, I did, I was in Rome at this time. And it just kind of brings you back. And to me, that's great products tap into your emotion, right? They, they, you know, they do what they're supposed to do. They offer utility, but they also have that delight. And that delight is where they tap into your emotion. And I think that's, that product just has it in spades, right? It just continues to tap into your emotion. So, I love it. And it also gives more insight into what you mean by, you know, you wanted to be the next Steve Jobs. I can hear what, what was important about him in that, the way you speak about that. So he changed the world. He put a ding in the universe. That's all I'm trying to do. <laughs> so I think you're on your way uh, and have probably already started doing it already, if I was to guess. So, Ronky, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Be sure to share the word of product-led growth far and wide and let your colleagues, friends, family, neighbors, and anyone you think who would like to know that there's a kick-ass product podcast on offer from the Product-Led Alliance. If you haven't already, don't forget to sign up to the Slack community and check out all our other great content, upcoming events, and other ways to get involved at productledalliance.com. And let's come back again next time to talk more about the head, the heart of product. <laughs>